At Her Spirit, we're here for you. We want to help you discover your potential, achieve your goals, ignite your fitness, find your community. Head to herspirit.co.uk and sign up for our core membership. Get access to our virtual classes, monthly challenges, expert advice and track your progress in our health hub. You'll also find your very own cheerleading squad who will support you every step of the way. Use the code HERSPIRITPOD3 and get three months completely free. It's time for you. Hi, everybody. This is the Her Spirit podcast back again with me, Louise Minchin and Annie Emerson. And Annie's already smiling because I know you've got like so many questions for our next guest. And I'm smiling because it's the most beautiful day. Hooray, Annie. Oh, you've got sun up north. We've got nothing. It's a cloudy day. Can you not see it at the window? That's not fair. Well, it's hopefully coming this way. We had sort of rain and it was kind of like, what happened there? But anyway, yeah, the sun will come. The sun will come. Spring's in the air. Can you hear the birds? the sound of them has changed. I can hear the birds. Um, I've noticed that we've got, I mean, we'll, we'll quickly introduce our guest in a second, but I've noticed that we've got a, um, my dog's bark when I arrive home, but also there's a robin that guards the back door. And every time I open it, he's like shouting at me, singing. It's beautiful. It's so beautiful. Anyway, let's talk to our guest because this is going to be awesome for all of us, I think, listening. Oh, I'm really excited. I think we're all slightly in awe of one another, which is absolutely lovely. Um, we've all followed one another <laughs> on social media for a long time. Um, she is quite extraordinarily, she's a grandmother and she's a mother of three, but she's also a multiple Guinness World Record holder and has been quoted by Running Fitness magazine as one of the world's most inspirational female distance runner. Mimi Anderson, welcome to the Her Spirit podcast. We are delighted to have you with us today. Oh, well, I am very excited to be here. I really am, actually. It's just lovely, lovely. And Mimi, we want to thank you, actually, on so many levels, because I know, like, when Annie and I started our first podcast, which must be about two years ago now, Annie, isn't it? The Mm. Tripod. I know that you were so supportive of us then, um, and you have been as well during with this podcast as well. So thank you for that. But you are uh, one of the most extraordinary ultra distance runners um ever to run across this world and um i mean Annie, do you want to list some of her achievements there's so many and they're so um, what I, th- I love about them is they're all just epic they they are they are totally epic and i don't really know where to start because i'm in total awe particularly as we need to talk about it later but i've got a bit of an achilles injury <laughs> Um, from running, from running a 10k at the weekend. And when you look at what Mimi's, um, achieved, I think one of the, one of the challenges, um, that she did and is an overall winner and course record holder of was the 6633 Extreme Ultra Marathon race. It's, um, in the Arctic and she was the overall winner, course record holder. Um, it's 352 miles, self-sufficiency, non-stop, six days, 143 hours. But Mimi, you didn't run before you were 36. So (laughs) tell us how it all started. (laughs) Well, it started actually completely by accident. Um, I used to go to the gym every so often, you know, the leotard days and uh, do a few classes and things. Well, it was, wasn't it? So, you know, leg warmers and leotards. And and I'd, I'd never particularly liked the shape of my legs. And so, standing outside one of the schools, dropping one of my, my, my eldest off, I think, at school, um, I mentioned this to one of the mums and she said, well, why don't you try running? 
And uh, so that's what I did. I went to the, the my gym and I stood on a treadmill. It was that feeling, you know, when you get on a treadmill for the very first time, I had no idea what I was doing. And I thought, if I press that button, I'm going to fall off the back or people are going to laugh at me or look at me. I felt so self-conscious. Um, in fact, nobody was remotely interested in what I was doing at all. And I set myself a target of just doing a mile. You know, I could barely run for more than 30 seconds. And so it was just a mile. But, you know, that could have been 100 miles at the time. Um, and I did that. And everybody in the gym knew about it because I was very vocal when I managed my mile. Yes. Um, and then I did three miles. And then once I'd done three miles, you know, again, back in, it was what, 1999, you didn't really see lots of people running around outside, you know, there was nobody with backpacks on and you just didn't see people running outside. So I was asked by a group of girls at the gym to sort of, you know, come on, Mimi, let's go and do a 10 mile run outside. I thought 10 miles, I've only run three. Um, anyway, went and did it and I just loved it. You know, that feeling of just freedom. It was just absolutely fantastic. I just felt as if I had a pair of wings on my feet. Um, I couldn't walk the next day, but uh, I just absolutely loved it. Um, and that's, I mean, that's quite something to go um, yeah. from three to ten, isn't it? For <laughs> it was starters. <laughs> it, was, it was totally stupid. But at the time, you know, you it just seemed quite a natural, normal thing to do. Because they said, oh, don't worry, maybe we'll go slowly. You know, we can stop if we wanted to. We, you know, we can do that. It was just... It just seemed a natural progression. Um, I thought it was rude to say no, actually, but uh, here we go. In that first year from having not run at all, we've got to get our heads around this, Louise. Mimi went on to run about 12 months later, the Marathon de Saabs. Now, if anyone knows about the Marathon de Saabs, or they don't, it is probably one of the toughest marathons in the world, not least because most of it is run on sand. The conditions are brutal. And I don't know what the percentage of people are that finish it, that actually start it, but it's pretty low, even today with the equipment that is available. And so tell us about that journey into Marathon de Saabs in just 12 months after running. I know. Well, I think the furthest I'd, I'd run at that stage was a half a marathon. Um, I did the Hastings half marathon um, a couple of times. And um, I think the first time I did it, I know it's quite a nice one, isn't it? Um, I really enjoyed it, except for the first time. I, I was giving it my all. I was absolutely pelting down that seafront, full throttle. And I was overtaken at the start, at the finish line by a walker. And I remember thinking, no, how do people walk that fast? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm not a naturally very fast runner. Um, and then, yeah, and, and so the process into MDS was um, I literally, I was in the gym one day and one of my uh, running friends said, Mimi, right, I found our next race. And she handed me this magazine. And the magazine had pictures of people running through the, the desert. They had gaiters on. They had blistered feet. And I just thought, oh, do you know, that looks fab. You know, it, it was so far-fetched from, you know, my normal life as a mum with three young children that I just thought this was such an adventure. So I didn't actually probably rather stupidly think about the distance at all. To me, this was literally going out and having a running holiday, I suppose. <laughs> um, yeah, and 18 months after starting, I was on the start line. 
Um, I love the Marathon de Saab because um, you're right, there is something about the images that come back and it's these people sort of leaping. I mean, ha- I'm very lucky. I have now run down sand dunes in Namibia and we'll come to your experience in Namibia, Namibia later. But, you know, leaping down sand dunes with sort of um, those flowing ha- hats with sort of flowing things to protect them from the, the sun and then these gaiters. And there, there's something wonderfully evocative about those images, actually. So I can understand why you were like, OK, I'm in. But you just had no idea really about what you were in for, did you? No, not really. No, I'd, um, you know, I'd been on holiday to hot places, but I mean, I'd never, <laughs> I'd never run. I'd never, I didn't know these, these races sort of existed. You know, I, I just think these things are sort of, it's just stepping outside your comfort zone, isn't it? You know, for me, this was a massive challenge. Um, and, uh, I'm surprised I actually went on and did anything else after that because I was quite ill during the race and I had to have IV drips and, and everything nice like that but uh, I did finish and it was it was amazing absolutely fantastic it was a bit like mash you know the program mash if you end up in the medical tent it just reminded me of mash that shows my age oh no you're not sure I know I know what you're talking about and I I know the image as well it's brilliant it's mind-boggling though for me as someone who is passionate about running and has followed running and uh, even if I haven't done it myself you know other people's sort of incredible endurance events and I have a friend actually who was trying to train for Marathon to Saabs and so this is a question I have for you Mimi because what you've achieved is just nothing far off a miracle my friend was it, it is very experienced, has done a lot of running, a lot of long distance triathlons. But I saw her angst when she was training for the race. She was constantly worried. Have I done enough? Have I done too much? Have I got, am I going to get injured? And so, and so on it kind of went. But with you, is it a case that possibly that <sighs> ignorance is slightly bliss? <laughs> um, I mean, obviously, you know, you, you can't sort of go to a race like that, not prepared, you know, and as you said, you ended up, you know, on an IV drip and people can go incredibly prepared and not make it. But that's what I was thinking about, about you today is, do you think that, you know, success is due to your ability plus not overthinking things? Yes, I think to, to a certain extent, I mean, definitely the first one, it was bliss, you know, ignorance is bliss, because I, I really had no idea. We did train as a, there were three of us that went out together and we trained really hard. And I think um, going out as a part of a team really, really helped because when, you know, one of you's having a, a bad time, um, you've got the other two team ma- members to, you know, pick you up and support you. Um but yes, the, I mean, the training part, I felt that we had done everything that we could have done. Um, you know, I've never trained so hard in my entire life as I did through that very wet, cold, <laughs> muddy winter. Um, and then when I was actually out there, um, it I sort of, again, it never occurred to me that I wouldn't come back without a medal. Um, again, probably very naive, but I went out there and I was going to get to that finish line. So when I became very ill and had to have the IV drip. And then we had the following day, literally a couple of hours later, I was there on the start line having to run the longer stage, which was, I think, 54 miles um, our year. And our plan had always been to go right the way through, you know, stop at the halfway point, have something to eat, but continue and do it in, in one day. So as we were coming up to this uh, this halfway point, I remember it was dark, I could see all the lines of the other runners and the head torches going off in the distance and over the dunes. And it was such an amazing sight. And I was slightly behind my two teammates. 
feeling, I think mentally and physically, I was in the worst state, I think at that point I'd ever been in, in my life. I had tears rolling down my cheeks. And I think it was the first time that I thought, Mimi, do you know, you're not going to do this. You know, you are going to fail. And one of my teammates came up to me and she just literally said, Mimi, just think of all those people at home who think you are going to fail and walked away. We are still friends, I would just like to say. Wow. I know, I know, but really harsh, really harsh. But you know, sometimes sometimes harsh is very good in the right, from the right person at the right moment. Absolutely. And that is exactly what I needed. And and I just remember she walked away thinking, well, Mimi, you know, you, you, you've got to dig deeper. You've, you've got to keep going because you're going to let your teammates down. And there were loads of people at home who, who, who didn't think that I would do this. So I had to prove them wrong. And we did get to that start, that finish line. And I did sleep with my medal for about a week afterwards. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but it's amazing, isn't it? As you say, they're the just words, those, but the right words by the right person at the right time and it just flicked a switch i mean i mean brutal brutal (laughs) brutal words but you needed that and and oh my god just kind of wow the 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 harshness of of, but i think the thing is is that there is more often than not we all have a little bit more to give in whatever we're doing in life yes and I think you know that's that's what you're saying yeah no absolutely and I and I just and I needed that I'm not somebody who is very good at uh, lots of sympathy um and my teammates knew me sort of quite well so I think she she knew that those words would resonate with me and they would what they get my my backside moving actually so uh you know and they were great uh so yeah we did get to that finish line but that's what I needed I needed a massive kick up the backside at that point <laughs> I've I've had a friend do exactly that to me and I'm going to swear on this podcast and Mark can beep it out if he wants to okay but I remember for my first triathlon you know I'd like really trained like you really hard and it set, seemed at the time like a massive thing to do and all the rest of it and everybody becomes you know your friends etc family become very invested because you've invested your time and all and and all that and she just turned around to me and I was about to start and I was doing all that thing about oh I don't want to do it and I can't do it and I being really really annoyed annoying and I do get like that when I'm nervous and she just turned around and she looked me in the eye she's my best friend she goes just don't f*** it up <laughs> Brilliant. And, just like, and you know I just looked at her a bit like you and was like you're making a very good point you're making a very good point and that's what I'm going to do I'm just not going to and I'm sorry about the swearing it up anyway oh, uh, Mimi just take us back to those, um, those moments and those are your best friends aren't they they can tell you things like that um, yes. take us back to those moments because there's so much to talk about the, the, the records that you've set and all the rest of it but at that point um, you you know you had three children and there's so many people listening to this podcast and you know embracing exercise and all the rest of it at the same time as you were like then juggling juggling and managing to fit it in and just tell us a little bit about the pressures of that and how you dealt with it? Well, again, initially, when I when I started training for the MDS, or when I entered it for the first time, my husband married me as a non-runner. And um, so, you know, I started doing this running and, you know, he was sort of getting the hang of it. And then I sat him down one day after several glasses of wine, it has to be said, and I mentioned that I wanted to enter the Marathon des Sables. And I think, and this is no, no disrespect to Tim at all, but I think it was a pat on the head and 
let her go and do it. She'll get it out of her system and then we'll all be back to normal again, you see. So having now got the go ahead to sort of to do it, um, I did say, look, most of our training is going to be done at the weekends because the other two had even smaller children than me. So it means that you are going to have to look after the children and, you know, prepare food. Oh, don't you worry about a thing. He said, I'll, I'll do that. So the first long weekend, Saturday morning, I, we got up really, really early so that we were back at around two o'clock. And, you know, he had his instructions. I got home to three, three children in the garden. Oh, mummy, I'm so glad you're home. I said, why? Is lunch ready? No, daddy's been gardening. We are starving, you see. So I had to go into the house, prepare the food while stuffing my face. It has to be said with anything else I could find in the fridge. Go upstairs, have a bath, come downstairs and feed everybody. And then I got rid of the, I sort of got rid of the children and I said to Tim, you can't do this. You know, the other two have gone home to nicely cooked meals and, you know, everything else like that. Their baths are run and, you know, and I've come home to this and you promised me. Anyway, bless him. Following weekend, I came home. My bath was was being run. Oh, the, 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 wow. the lunch had been cooked. So he did learn quite quickly. Um, and now he's just brilliant. But yeah, so but it was difficult. But I needed his support in order to be able to do what yeah, I was doing. Mimi, um, a bit, a bit of a sen- sensitive topic, and and I know you won't mind me talking about it because you have spoken publicly about it. But um, before becoming a runner, you suffered with anorexia for for fifteen years. You know, physically and mentally, that anyone who's ever known anyone or has had eating disorders themselves knows how tough that is. Um, what was that time in your life like? Oh, so, I mean, I look back at it now and I just think how, I don't know how I sort of lived with it, actually. It's just, it, it was horrible, actually. I got married. Um, I mean, I, I got it when I was 14, 15. And I was very lucky to have children. Um, and I got married having my eating disorder. And I think for Tim, again, very difficult. He didn't know how to cope with it. So, of course, he just ignores it, um, which is the easiest thing to do. Um and I then got to the stage where, I mean, nothing was normal. You know, we'd go to dinner parties and I would then disappear after the first course, after the main course, after pudding and go and throw up food. I would take laxatives like they were sweets. Um, it, it was just awful. I spent the whole time thinking about food. I had calluses on my uh, knuckles from making myself sick um, it, it was just horrible. You spend your whole time thinking about how can I avoid any form of food. Um, you know, I never used to have my own plate of food in the evenings. I would put it all on Tim's plate and I'd have a bit so I could never see how much I ate. I mean, how frustrating and annoying must that be for somebody else to share their food with you? I mean, it's just, it's not normal. So for me, when my son was 18 months old, I just... I just thought, you know, I can't carry on like this. I cannot carry on the rest of my life behaving like this. And for my children to grow up thinking it's normal for me to behave like this. Uh, So I ended up going to my doctor. Actually, (laughs) I had no pair because I'd gone back to work and I made her make um, the appointment for me because I knew I couldn't do it. Um, and I went and saw my doctor and I just sat down and just said, I need some, well, I practiced, this is the stupid thing, I practiced over and over again what I was going to say to him. And when I actually sat in the doctor's surgery, I, I couldn't say anything. 
you know how you suddenly feel really ashamed of yourself and you just you just think, well, I don't know how to say this now. And I have to say he was brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant. Um, and I ended up going to St. George's. Um, I did outpatients treatment for six months. That didn't work. Um, so they then said that I had to be hospitalised. And um, I went and looked around the eating disorder unit, which is pretty terrifying it's not nice actually it's really not a nice place well it wasn't then I think I'm sure they've changed but it was you know I just remember looking at thinking well why am I here you know I'm not thin enough to be here and I talked to one of the girls who had been in one of the rooms and she she had maintained her weight for a certain amount of time so she was then about to come out and join uh, the main ward and um and I just said to her I don't understand you know why I'm here and she looked at me and she said have you looked at yourself in the mirror Mimi recently and I went well no I try and avoid that she said you're way thinner than me and I remember looking at her and she had reached her target weight thinking that she was really really thin so it's a very scary uh disease and illness it's really very very scary but I ended up not going into the hospital I ended up actually eventually going to see a professional um hypnotist for a year who specialized in that sort of thing I'm yeah. sure so many people um, listening to you will, you know, will very much be able to relate to those kind of feelings. So what is your message? Because it's really important, isn't it? Um, what's your message to people? I think it's my message is if you can, and it is really difficult. I mean, it's 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 taking that first step, isn't it? And it's, you know, finding somebody you trust. Now, whether that's a friend, your husband, your doctor, but find somebody and tell them because once you've said it out aloud, the next step is slightly easier. And it's not an easy journey. Um, you know, sometimes you have setbacks and, you know, you just think, I can't cope with this and I, I don't know what to do. And, and how soon after you, you yourself could have said, I'm recovered, I, I'm really well on the way now, did you then start running? Um, a, a few years later, actually. Um, I think I went, I can't remember how old I was, actually. I was 28, 29, I think, 28 when I went uh, for, for help. Um, and I didn't start running until I was 36. So, you know, that running for wanting to have thin legs was nothing to do with my sort of eating disorder. I had a, and a very abusive nanny. So she always used to badly treat me from the waist downwards. So, of course, my legs were something that I didn't particularly like. So that's why I wanted thinner legs. Now, don't even think about them. But now you've got, I mean, you know, you are just, you are just one extraordinary powerhouse. And that's just explain to us, you know, kind of the difference in your approach to how you feel about your body now, because you are a strong lady. You know, you're one of the best endurance athletes in the world. So how do you feel about your body? Oh, I think our body, and you know, this is a, again, a sort of female thing, isn't it? We all, none of us particularly like our bodies all the time. I've, my body now is... I mean, it's extraordinary. It, it has it's enabled me to race and run all over the world. It, um, it has allowed me to cycle. It, it, it is, you know, I don't look at it now and think, oh, God, you know, that's revolting. I look at it now and think, actually, do you know something, Mimi? Those legs are pretty awesome, you know. So, yes, they yeah. are. Yeah, <laughs> they are. Look what they've, yeah. where they've been. <laughs> I know. And I just think, you know, if it wasn't for that, you know, my legs are extraordinary. My bodies, our bodies are amazing aren't they absolutely amazing what they allow us to do 
Mm. You don't just do ultras. You do the ultra and then you go round, you turn around and you go back and do it again. You do, do doubles. So just know, do, for people so they can get a sense of them, of the extraordinary, just give us top five. What would they be? Oh, top five. Well, top five. One of them's got to be my Arctic race. Um, yeah. So 352. Yeah, that's 352 miles. Was that the one you were the only person who finished or you were certainly first woman? I was, yeah, well, I've, I, there were three of us that finished that year. And, uh, yeah, I was, I was the winner and I was 24 hours ahead of the, um, the other person oh that finished. Yeah. I literally love you. Right. So that's number one. Number two. But so I think the, the other one is the Spartathlon. So the Spartathlon's 153 mile race in, starts in Athens in, in Greece and finishes in Sparta. And you've got to do it in under 36 hours. And, I'd always wanted to do that race, but I never thought of myself as fast enough. And the guy who, who actually originally, um, started it kept on saying to me, come on, Mimi, come and do the race. I said, don't be stupid. So I, I said, I can't run a marathon that fast. So I can't, I can't possibly do it. And then I thought, you know, Mimi, you've got to do this because otherwise you're going to be such an old fart. You won't be able to do it anyway. Um, so the first time I did it in 2011, I actually finished third female. Um, which for me, it was a big international, it's a big international race. You have to qualify. So for me, actually, do you know, I was really proud of that. I stood on that stage and I got my trophy and I was again very vocal. Oh, amazing. So that was my, um, and then I went back several years later and I did it twice. So I ran the race and ran back. Um, bad water in America. Talk about bad water. I love even the name. So Badwater starts in Death Valley and finishes in the portals of Mount Whitney, 135 miles, um, again, in 45 hours in extreme heat. I mean, you are talking really hot. I've been to Death Valley yeah. and we got out a couple of years ago. We did a road trip. We got out of the car for 10 minutes. So it's like, please, can we just get back in and just go? Yeah. It is the most intense heat. So, And we saw a guy going off for a run and we just all stood there and just went, no, no, you cannot run in this heat. But you did. What's the, what is it like? For, is it 40s or something? What is it? Oh, it can go up to the 50s. I mean, it, it is, oh. it is cr- incredibly hot. It's the hottest place in the world, isn't it? Um, yeah. At sea level. Yeah. And you have to, everybody has to have their own crew. Um, because your trains can literally melt on, on the roads. It's, it's so hot. And your crew are literally meeting you every mile, every two miles to, to subdue it. Yeah, it is. And you're going through three mountain ranges. So it's not exactly flat, but it is the most, um, amazing race. Absolutely love it. So I did that. And then a few years later, I went back and did the race again and then ran all the way up the mountain and then back to the and start. Then back so again. I did the double. Yeah. <laughs> Right, so that's, that's that's three. You got two more to go. I mean, you okay. got there's many more than two more to go, but I'm making no, these are hard in, choices. <laughs> yeah, in in the UK, one of my favourite favourite races is, is a race called the Grand Union Canal Race. Absolutely, it is a classic in the UK. It's 145 miles, started, starting in Gas Street in Birmingham, and you run all the way to Little Venice in London, and it is just. It has the most wonderful atmosphere. You can have crew to support you or you can do it unsupported. You are looked after beautifully. Um, and I've done that several times. I, I set a course record on that. So I think the fastest I've ever done it is 28 hours and 12 minutes, um, which obviously I was really, pl- really pleased about. Actually, a couple of years later, that record was broken. But that's 
that's what records are for, isn't it? It's so, been your record, hasn't it? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So that's fine. And then a few years later, I went back and um, I ran the double. So I ran to the race and then turned around and ran back with, with the race, which at that stage, no, nobody else had done. So, but it's Maybe. such a lovely race. <laughs> Okay, well, last one. You could. We'll come. We'll come to the American trip later. So, so that's not included in your number five. What's number five? Number five, I think, it's got to be um, when I ran across. Well, there's oh, it's, you know, it's so difficult. When I ran across South Africa, I ran across South right. Africa with uh, with a friend, and that wasn't a race. That was something that we had organised, and it was just so amazing going through all the villages, seeing the children running to school, uh, being you know staying in some of the community places that we stayed in and seeing the scenery. I mean, the scenery in South Africa is just, it's my favourite country, was just breathtaking. Absolutely fantastic. And that, that to me was just, I loved it. And and you wouldn't put um, comrades in there as well, one that oh, you Oh, but you were... see, yes, that as well. <laughs> First female, fourth person to achieve the double comrades. It's 56 miles, so 112 miles. I mean, you know, um, comrades, everyone, even people that aren't runners have heard of that race. And that's not even in your top five. Well, it's, it is, but it's, it's sort of the problem with co- actually <laughs> Bruce Fordyce would get very cross with me because if he hears me talking and he goes, Mimi, so do we not mention comrades yet? Oh, sorry, Bruce, sorry. Um, it, it was one of those races that I, again, I'd always wanted to go and do. But my husband turned around to me and said, well, Mimi, I'm sorry, but you cannot go all the way out to South Africa. Um, and just, you know, for 90 kilometres. So I thought, oh, oh, all right then. So uh, I did a bit of research and, and no female um, at that stage, I think only two men had ever done uh, the, the, back, the double. So they had run to the race and then they turned around. Oh, no, they did the race and then they turned around and ran back. So I, th- I looked into it. I contacted them. And yeah, so it was great. I had um, a great support, but I had to do it within the time limits of the race itself. Um, so I did that year, it was the down route. So Peter Maritzburg back down to Durban. So I started in Durban, it's an afternoon or so before. And I ran, I think it was nine hours 50 to the finish in Peter Maritzburg. I then had to get myself from the finish to the start of the down race. And you have to be in your pen by a certain time, otherwise you'll put right at the back. And then I ran back with the with the race. Um, I mean, that's, yeah, that's pretty, I mean, you're pretty awesome, that race. You, you know, you're, you're, you've got people having barbecues or brides on the side of the road and, you know, the support you get is just fantastic. And again, it's South Africa. So, yeah, I mean, that's right up there somewhere as well. Um, on this amazing journey, when did you um, sort of start realising that you were really good at this? At Her Spirit, we know how powerful women can be. We love your strength, your determination, your compassion. We love the energy that sparks when we connect and spur each other on. Her Spirit was created to ignite that flame of determination, to unleash your energy, to build your self-belief and to help every woman find a way to your healthiest mind, body and soul yet. We want to inspire one million women just like you to be active, healthy and happy because you deserve it. Head to herspirit.co.uk, join our core membership and use the code HERSPIRITPOD3 to get three months completely free. 
Join our monthly challenges, get access to the Her Spirit Health Hub and track your activity levels, mood, food, sleep and stress every single week with your own personalised dashboard. Get expert advice and join daily live classes that can be played back at any time. Plus, find the support that you need to get started and stay motivated. Just sign up at herspirit.co.uk and use the code HERSPIRITPOD3 to get three months completely free. It's time for you. I don't think I ever did. I, 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 see, I thought I that might be your answer. <laughs> I just sort of did it. So, you know, I wanted to do bad water. So to do bad water, I had to qualify. So I did the Grand Union Canal race because I did. So I never thought I was particularly good. I just enjoyed doing it. I mean, I wasn't bad because I had won a couple of races and things, but I, I never sort of thought of myself in that way. I just did it because <laughs> I wanted to go to these places and run. So that that's sort of what I did. It was my holiday. How on earth do you fuel yourself to get round, you know, that kind of distance? Me, very badly. I'm, I'm still not... I mean, I'm fine with eating. I don't have a problem with that. But I, my problem is I don't get hungry. So um, I do struggle with sort of eating, the, the, you know, the vast quantities of food. So a lot of the, in the long stuff I do, um, I actually have a support crew who look after me. And, uh, you know, Becky, uh, one of my crew, she has looked after me since my world record, my job, John O'Groats to Land's End. And there was a point when I did, when I was doing bad water, my double bad water, and I was running along and it was ridiculously hot. And she met me at a certain point and she handed me this bowl of yuck, actually, just food. Like I, it was just revolting. And I remember I acted like a spoiled child. It was awful. And I just looked at it and I stamped my foot and I went, well, I am so not eating that. It's got too many carrots in. And I ran off, you see. Now, Becky is not going to be put off by any of this, you see. So she went back to the car while I continued running. And she took out the carrots, but she sort of added more chicken. And a mile down the road, she met me again. She said, there you go, Mimi. And I just looked at it and I just, I'm just so not hungry. Anyway, she looked at me and she said, Mimi, until you have eaten this food, you are not moving from this spot. We have got loads of time, she said. And I knew that she wouldn't, she literally would not let it me. So I had to eat it. I went, so I ran off and I then thought, oh, Mimi, you are acting like a spoiled brat. That is absolutely awful. So I ran back and I went, sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to behave (laughs) like that. Um, But it's, yeah, I mean, I do eat, um, but I prefer proper food. I'm not good with gels and things like that, but it's, it's constantly eating, really. It's just trying to get food into you all the time um, and drinks and things. And what about sleep as well? Because you mentioned, to, you know, a, a race that takes you 28 hours. Do you sleep in those? Do you just keep going? What do you do? I have no idea. Uh, in a race like that, if you're going for, well, I was going for the record. No, you don't sleep at all. Um, and in fact, the rules of the race state that you can't stop for more than 20 minutes um, at a time. Uh, so there's no sleeping but in other events if I'm going so when I did my Irish world record so that was top to bottom of Ireland 345 miles I had two hours in any 24 hours where I I would rest so when I stopped I would have 90 minutes sleep and the rest of the time was spent either sort of 
having a massage while I ate and then preparing to get going again. So literally two hours. So 90 minutes worked for me, worked really well. I, I would wake up after 90 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And they do say that, don't they? That actually, I mean, yeah. you, it's all to do with your circadian rhythm or whatever, isn't it? Um, okay. Gosh. So, and um, where should we go now? Should we go to, and talk about America? Because you've written a book and I've been, I've been, I've been reading it in bed and it's, and it's, it's really excellent, but it's a, it's a, it's a big story, this, isn't it? So you it wanted is. to, I mean, you know, as only you would really run across America. Yep. That was the target. I did. Well, I always joked actually with it because I always joked and said that uh, I'd always wanted to go to New York and the only way that I was ever going to get there was to run because my husband refused to take me. It's all his fault. <laughs> I think we should invite him on the podcast, by the way. We should have a chat with him as well. But anyway, is he in the house today? He is. He's hidden around the corner. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he works from home. There we go but I think for me, it was just one of those, I knew I, you know, with anything that you do that's big, you've got to have some self-belief that you can do something like this. And I knew that, you know, if everything sort of went well, that I, I could do the, my run across America. Um, and I'd watched a fellow sort of runner a few years previously sort of doing a race. Um, it wasn't an individual thing. It was actually a, a part of a race. And he was running across America and I followed it. And I just thought... There's something about running across a country or the length of a country that really excites me. You know, you start on the West Coast and you finish on the East Coast and you just then you look at the map. It is huge. Um, so I started planning and I said to somebody, this is what I want to do. And I kept it really quiet for a long time. It took about two years to get everything sorted, um, but three years in total by the time I actually started. Yeah. So Mimi, so yeah, it's a, it's a huge race. You start planning for it and actually you had, you had an injury. So you had to kind of put it back, back a few months, didn't you? Yeah, I got, um, I had a torn meniscus, which actually I'd had for quite a long time. And, um, and I just discovered it got worse. Actually, we went out to America to recce the route, uh, which was fantastic to be able to do. And during that time, you know, Tim kept on saying to me, Mimi, you're, you, when you start running, you're starting with a bit of a limp on your right leg. Um, and then it sort of eased off. And then when I got home, I would take myself up and every run I was looking more and more like a mummified, well, mummy, I was taped up so much. And I just thought, Mimi, this is ridiculous. You, you know, in a couple of months time, you are supposed to be, well, a few months time running just under 3000 miles across the third largest continent in the world. And you can barely run for a mile at the moment. So I, I went and had the surgery, which then meant I had to postpone um, the whole mm-hmm. thing, um, which in a way, you know, these things happen. You just have to sort of, you know, just be positive about it and actually gives you more time to plan. So that was good. Yeah. Um, and the planning is quite something, isn't it? Because you have to have the, you know, the huge vehicle that you can sleep in. You needed a support crew. And, you know, they were, they were absolutely amazing, your support crew, weren't they? Yeah, no, they were brilliant, actually. It was, uh, so I had a sort of, rolling people who would sort of come in so I had two people um who uh Jenny and Jan who were there for the whole time which is absolutely I mean that's such a fantastic commitment um I had three physios that would take it in turns they'd come out for three weeks two weeks and then you know they'd swap over because again you know they I can't afford to pay them so they're giving up their time everything's paid for their flights and stuff but I can't actually give yeah. them a salary 
Um, my husband then came out with Sophie um, after three weeks. Oh, it was so nice to see him. Except he had grown a beard. He decided that it was going to be Father Christmas time. And, you know, oh, such a disappointment. <laughs> anyway, he didn't want to shave, so he arrived. Uh, but he knew I'd forgive him. Um, but my crew were fantastic. And they literally did everything. Um, you yeah, know, Becky and Paul were there again. It was their running moon because they had postponed their honeymoon. Um, so they they had a running moon. Who was in charge of your food, who you mentioned before, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, she came out with her husband, yeah. And so um, I just want to talk about, um, before we get to what happened at the end, really. Um, there, so there's a lot of pressure on, isn't there? Because, you know, you are, you're an inspiration to so many runners. You told people, didn't you, that you were going to do this. Um, you really wanted to do it, obviously. And there was someone else who was doing the run at the same time. So kind of mentally um, going into that, there's, there's a lot of pressure, isn't there? Oh, it suddenly became, I mean, it was a race anyway, because it's a race against the previous record. I don't mind that. I, I can, you know, I have my plan. I could do that. But then suddenly this new equation comes into it. And, and um, Sandra V, she was called, um, was doing it as well. So she started uh, about five or well, three or four days after me. But she was running from San Francisco to New York. So a slightly different route. And it was really, I mean, again, my crew were fantastic because they, they didn't tell me what was going on. Um, I didn't have my phone with me while I ran. And, um, but you did every so often, I did want to check up on her. And in pictures that I saw when I was running, you know, I'd be feeling like shit and she just looked fab. And I thought, oh, really? How can she do that? So I had to switch off from it. I had to switch off from this race. So it became a race around the world. And you just thought, no, I don't want to do this race. I just wanted to concentrate on myself. So I did stick. I stuck to my plan. You know, mm -hmm. I had a plan. I had, I knew what I wanted to do, what I wanted to achieve. And I did stick to that, actually. I didn't, I wasn't influenced by, by her and what she was doing. I'm just wondering how you kind of deal from day to day with running those kind of miles and recover to get up the next day. And were there days that you just thought, I can't do this anymore? No, there were never days when I never thought that I could, could do it. You know, you get up in the morning and... It, it's sort of, it's routine. So it's like going to work. So that's how I would treat it. And actually my crew was so good. I mean, you know, they, they would literally, you know, my, my smoothie was there, my coffee was there, my clothes were all laid out the night before. When I came in in the evening, they literally just took everything off and hung it up. They were fantastic. So I was having to do very little. And yeah, there were days absolutely when I felt absolutely cream crackered. And there were a few days where we reduced the mileage so that I could have a bit more sleep. But again, you get used to having very little sleep. You know, I think on something like that, when it's so long, you have to have more, you know, you have to have at least six hours sleep if you can. Are you talking about the mileage? Just give us a sense of how many miles a day you were aiming to do. 57. <sighs> and you do your big, your, you sort of do your big... <laughs> I mean, 57, it's sort of inconceivable in one go for me, Annie, but um, <laughs> you do your big chunk kind of in the, uh, the early part of the day and then just a marathon later. Is that, that's pretty yes. much the way you... Yeah, because I felt psychologically that that sort of worked really quite well for me. You know, I thought I'll do about 32 miles in the morning, stop at the RV and have, have my lunch break. And, and I always found it was really weird, actually, and I didn't realise this until about two weeks in, that in the mornings I was always counting up the miles 
And then in the afternoon with the shorter mileage, I was counting down the miles. So when I got to 20K, oh, yes, it's only 20K to go. You know, it was sort of, it was a real boost, actually. So it was lovely. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I mean, it's just to think that you had to cover 2,852 miles. And on the 40th day when you hit... 2,217, it all kind of went a little bit peak tong, didn't it? It did, yeah. And I still can't. I hate, I, I still find this really, oh. really difficult. It's pathetic, isn't it? It's sort of happened in 2017. No, it's so it's not me. Yeah. It was really important to you. It was. Um, I'd done good, you know, I'd, I'd actually been to a chiropractor because my, my, my leg was causing me quite bad issues that was then causing me to lean to the left like this when I was running. So I had to concentrate on, on sort of staying upright when I was running because I felt as if I was going to fall over. It's so, so stupid. If you see pictures of me, I'm literally like that. And on the 40th day, I set off and literally within minutes, I had to call the physio. Um, and we had to sort of retape and redo this. And, re- and it, anyway... I continued going and I and I just, the pain was, which had been getting worse anyway, was absolutely indescribable. And Jenny said, right, keep going until we can find a safe place for the, for the RV um, and then we'll sort of make a decision. So I carried on going, again, very, very slowly. I mean, it was taking, I don't know, half an hour or so to do a mile. I mean, it was just ridiculous. And eventually um, we stopped and Jenny, we took, went to the hospital to have an MRI scan and the results came back and uh, yeah, not very nice. I had bone edema. So that's bruising on the bone. Bruising that? on the bone, yeah. Uh, so in the x-ray, that well, the, the MRI scan, they were white. The bones were white and I had no cartilage on the outside of my knee. So I literally was bone on bone, which is what the pain was. And... Anyway, he apparently turned around to my husband and said, you know, if Mimi continues, uh, she could cause multiple stress fractures to her legs. Um, We can give her an injection, but they don't always work and could cause more damage. And she could end up going home in a wheelchair and having to have, you know, knee replacement when she got home. But even, you know, even with all of that, still upset. You still wanted to carry on. I wanted to go. I didn't want to, didn't want to give up. But you can't run through that sort of injury. I mean, you just can't. Um, and it just, anyway, that was it. So for me, that was, you know, I don't mind failing, but that was such an epic fail. Um, and I felt so ashamed of myself. I mean, I really did. And I just wanted to go away and hide for oh, a bit. Oh, Mimi. Yeah. That was the end of my running career. Oh, I just want to give you a big hug. <laughs> it's silly. I know still it's not. Luckily, you're on Zoom. Because <laughs> <laughs> otherwise, just... I'd be breaking all sorts of rules. <laughs> it's oh, it's so really sorry. tough. Yeah. But your story, you know, again, you know, because you've written about it in your in your new book, which is called Limitless, isn't it? And yeah. you know that this is not the end of your story, and you've come so far since then. And, you know, we all, I mean, I, I guess, you know, you can reflect in some ways on it now, this this long later. You know, how do you recover from something like that? Because it's devastating, isn't it, when you set yourself up to do something you really want to do? Yeah, it's, uh, it, you have to go through a grieving process. Um, I mean, that's that's what it felt like. And 
I did feel myself, you know, I don't get depression. I don't suffer from anything like that. But I found myself getting more and more depressed and feeling just low. Um, I, you know, I, I felt as if I was going into this, this big black hole. And um, I Googled, I was writing a blog and I Googled black holes. Ridiculous thing to do, but I Googled it anyway. And I think it was Stephen Hawkins that said, you know, if you can find yourself in a black hole, there is always a way of getting out. And I just read that and I thought, right, you know, Mimi, you're in here now. Now you've just got to get yourself out again. Um, I mean, I know easier said than done, but it wasn't just affecting me this. This was affecting my family and my friends and everything else. So I spoke to a friend of mine who I knew, I knew had been through something similar, but he also, he wouldn't do fluffy pink towels and things. He would say, you know, spade to spade. And uh, he suggested that I cycle, to, went for the cycle ride, you know, from Land's End to John Groats, you know, ride across Britain. And I didn't even have a road bike at that stage. And uh, anyway, I eventually, I did sign up for this thinking, you know, I cycled 10 miles. I mean, I've never, you know, hadn't cycled. That bit didn't frighten me, but it did nine days. You're doing over 100 miles over these nine days. But it was the 10th anniversary of my world record. So I thought, right, that's it. And I just needed a goal. I needed something in my diary because up until that point, yeah, it was empty because I'd focused so much on America. And then suddenly nothing there, absolutely nothing there at all. I think that's a really good lesson for all of us, Mimi, you know, when you're in that, you know, whatever your particular space or however you're feeling to, to fight, to sort of put a goal to, to lead you out. I mean, that's a lesson, isn't it? Yeah. It's having something to aim for. It doesn't necessarily mean have to be my land's end, John Groves. It could be something smaller, but for me, that's what I needed to, to keep me motivated. And it did. It put a spring in my step. I know it's not running. Um, and I'd cycle past I, on my hybrid bike. I'd cycle past somebody in my running kit, you know, on my bike and, um, and see somebody running. And I just thought, you know, I wish that was me. You know, I, I don't want to be on this bike. I wish I was out running. And so I had to change my mindset and just, again, have another word with myself saying, Mimi, you can't be out there doing that running you're on a bike, you know, enjoy it, embrace it and get on with it. So that is what I did. So mm. what? So what's the state with the knee now? And how did you, what was the rehab like to get over the, the America run? Oh, the rehab was, uh, well, I couldn't do any exercise at all. I mean, there's nothing I can do for my knee at all. Um, I went and saw two independent uh, sports surgeons, actually, and um, they they gave me a couple of op options, both the same. <laughs> and I just, but they ba basically said, Mimi, if you can hold on to your limbs for as long, you know, your own for as long as possible, then that's what you need to do. But they both said that, you know, running long distance was not an option, which case, of course, I burst into tears because I knew it, but you don't want to yeah. hear about it. And and I can run. I remember the first time I went out for a run, and it wasn't until I think the April or something. And I was terrified, absolutely terrified, because I thought, what happens after all this rehab, after all this looking after my knee, being really careful, strengthening my knee and things again, what happens if I go running and that pain comes back again? Um, I think that scared me more than anything else. So I took myself off to the forest. I didn't tell anybody that I was going to do it. And I thought, OK, just a short, just 
a kilometre, half a kilometre. That's all you need to do. I walked for about 20 minutes before I had the courage to go into a run. And I went into this very slow run and it was literally, I don't know, half a kilometre or something. But that feeling of being able to run and that there was no pain. Um, again, I just stopped. I just burst into tears. It's lovely. Oh, um, so how far ca- can you run now? And how, are, you, are you running now? Uh, yeah, I don't. I run so no more than twice a week. Um, and yeah. I usually do around 5K, so anything from 5 to 10K. If I do any more than that, then I can feel my knee and it then impacts everything else. You know, silly, it impacts yeah. my bike and everything else that I do. So it's not worth it. But I guess you have to sort of, yeah, celebrate sort of what your body, I mean, this goes back to our earlier conversation of what your body's allowed you to do, you know, and in fairness, I guess, you know, there are only so many miles that the body, the joints, you know, the, the, the bones are going to take and, and you've put more, bo- more miles, running miles through your body, <laughs> you know, and I, you know, when I think <laughs> of, sort of Paula Radcliffe, she used to run, I think in her training, something from like a crazy miles, 150, 200 miles a week or something. Uh, and you were looking at sort of averaging, you know, over 50 miles a day across America. So I guess, you know, it goes back to being, you know, grateful, you know, to, to what your body allowed you to do. Yeah. And, and it's a new chapter. And sometimes we have to say, oh, it sounds a bit wishy-washy, but, you know, do things happen for a reason? You know, I mean, it's sad that you couldn't get that extra, what was it, 600 plus miles that you needed to, to get I that know, record. I know, not very far, was it, really? No, no, but not very far, but you not, not in your scheme. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> to most of us, Mimi, it's a really long way. Oh, my goodness, me. That I is. know. But, but I... But I do agree. I think, you know, when something happens, I mean, I look back on my running career and, do you know, it was fab. Absolutely amazing. I have run all over the world. I've met some extraordinary people. I have done amazing things. I'm here talking to you. I mean, you know, everything. I've done all of that. It is really fantastic. So I can never look back and regret it ever. Um, And, you know, it's that the old saying, isn't it? You know, when one door closes another one opens. It's just that sometimes you just had to look that little bit harder for that door. Um, but when you find it, it's great. So talk about the door. So the door seems to be, you are very much in love with the pink bike. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mavis, I know, I do jump. <laughs> I always have everything in pink. It is so sad. Um, so Mavis, my first bike, is actually now on the turbo. So I now have got two other bikes. I'm collecting bikes and I find myself, if I, they're in the house. And if I would never let my husband have a bike in the house. I see there's one behind you, Annie. You see, fantastic, absolutely fantastic. You know, and I then start <laughs> cleaning it or doing it. And Tim goes, Mimi, can, can we do that outside? You know, outside, what, I bought it in the kitchen. What are you doing? You know, so, I love it. Um, you know. Oh, do you know, Mimi, I love so much. And people who are listening to this, this uh, podcast, they must go and follow you on Instagram and see your adventures on your bike. And also, yes, you mentioned your utility room where you do all your, your Zwifting, etc. What I just, you know, and, and this is so important to come out of this, is that, you know, something you, I know it's devastating what happened, but you are so um, positive and optimistic and you know you get up every day and you go out on your bike and you know that is just such a powerful message you know at the age of you what are you 58 now you know we can still all do this we can do all this stuff and there is a whole world out there to be enjoyed isn't there oh yes I mean you I mean I'm always looking for that that new adventure that new you know 
that new challenge. I don't want to race anymore. I mean, I'm not. I've just did a race this morning on Zwift. Oh, God. I'm never yeah, going to race just... you on Zwift, by the way. You are so, you're such a good cyclist. It's terrifying. No, I call myself a bikeist because I'm not quite a cyclist yet. So I'm, I'm a bikeist. Um, but so no, well, but you know, I've done, I have, I've had adventures on my, um, on my bikes, you know, so I've got another one lined up for next year. I'm going to do the, the, the rat race, um, trans Andean race, which I'm is, so jealous. Um, so I, I'm, in te- I'm, I'm insanely jealous about this. So tell me about it. Cause I, I, I lived in Latin America for about 18 months in my life. So in Chile and Argentina. So go on, tell us what it is. Oh, this is fantastic. This is one and a half kilometers, one and a half thousand kilometers over nine days. I know. So you get the distance in and it starts in, now I'm never going to pronounce this sort of, I had to write it down actually. Um, now, where is it? Valparaiso, which is, um, it's a Valparaiso. UNESCO. That's it. Oh, well done. You see, I even <laughs> Googled it, how to pronounce it and I still got it wrong. <laughs> Go, so, where, where, I can't quite remember where Valparaiso is. So it's so it's in Chile, so on the on the west coast. Of course it is. Of course yeah. it is. Yeah. And then we literally are going to be cycling. Oh, this is just you know through the vineyards. So the Malbec region, quite like that idea. Do you like my glass of wine? Um, through the Andes, we get to see Aconcagua, which is the highest mountain in South America. I'll never get to climb that, but my friend has, so I can just you know visualize her climbing that. Um, and then we finish in Buenos Aires. I mean, how, I mean, that's epic, isn't it? It's just, I'm so do need, excited. Do you need someone to come with you? Yeah. Or maybe Annie. me and yes. Annie. Yes. <laughs> come and do it. It's the pilot test. So it's, it's really nice, actually. So we're doing it. The main race actually isn't until 2023. So ne- next year is the where a group of us go out and we just test the route out. Now that to me is fantastic. It's a proper adventure. What do you... What are you doing in 2023, Annie? It's empty. Diary's empty at the moment. It needs stuff in it. So <laughs> you go. Because uh, you, you may not know this, but Mimi, but, um, Annie spent, I mean, Annie's virtually half Spanish anyway. She spent a lot of time living in Spain. So Annie, you, we, we'd be great, wouldn't we? We could not only just cycle, we could help with the interpreting and exactly. translating and everything. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Where do I sign? <laughs> I'll send you a link. <laughs> Um, Mimi, you, you've um, you've mentioned. We've obviously talked about you being being a mum. What do your children think of you? Oh, they just. I think they think I'm completely bonkers. They've sort of got used to it now. I remember my um, eldest Emma, who's now got three children of her own. She she used to say, "Mum, can't you just be normal and you know stay at home and bake cakes?" Oh, how dumb is that? Why do I, I can't bake cakes anyway? Um, you know and. I think they, they've got used to it. And my grandchildren, they, they don't, oh, well, Didi's off doing something. You know, they don't bat an eyelid. You know, I bought them when I did America, this massive, great big map. And I, I plotted out the, I thought it'd be good for geography, plotted out the, the, the route for them. And so every day they would go up, you know, see where's Didi now? And, you know, there she's gone through there and she's gone through that. And I think it's normal. And I think that's good. I think it's good to see that their grandmother, um, or their mother, in my children's case, has gone off and does this thing. You know, these things, hopefully it sort of will make them feel they can do anything as well. And also that's that's a real change in a sort of generation, isn't it? Because I don't know about your mum, but, you know, you know, my, my mum, you know, this would be so far from her what she would have wanted to do. Yeah, I don't think, you know, our mother, our so mothers of generation, um, I mean, there were women that went and did some extraordinary things, absolutely. But it wasn't 
they just didn't do what we did. I mean, my mother played a bit of tennis and things like that, but they, I don't think they would never have cycled or run or d- done the amount of swimming that, uh, well, I don't, but you guys do. You know, they just, it wasn't, it wasn't in their sort of psyche as much. Um, but now it's quite normal, I think, for, and I think it's fantastic now to see all these women with small children who are still able to train, still able to go off and do these things. Whereas when, even when I did it, it was slightly frowned upon that I should leave my children for 10 days um, and go off and race somewhere. Um, so it's taken a fair bit of time to sort of get a, get over that one. Um, you talk a lot about the how the sport, the challenges that you've done have, have given you resilience and, and sort of built up your physical and, and mental health. Um, we always try on our podcast to sort of, I guess it's to, to motivate people, to encourage people. You know, some people might be listening to this going, oh, there's no way I could ever do what Mimi's done. But what would your message be to, to people just to, to, to encourage them to, you know, in these times are so tough for people. You know, the last 12 months has been so hard. But for me and Louise and for you, it's part of our life. And I often want to just bottle yeah. up what we get. Like you say, when you go and do your run, bottle up and give it to someone so they can try it. So what would your message be to to our listeners and anyone just you know needing a little bit of sort of a motivation inspiration if this chat already hasn't got them there I mean I think ultimately anybody if you want to can go off and do something it doesn't have to be a massive great big challenge it really doesn't you can set yourself a much smaller goal um you know so if you want to do something I always find actually that for me it's it's perhaps find a friend go and sign up or do something with a friend uh, you know, go and do the park run uh, when they come back uh, with a friend, because actually then you're sort of, you know, you're meeting up with somebody, you're doing it with somebody. And that really motivates you. Whereas if, you you know, the weather's not very nice outside and you haven't arranged to meet up with somebody, actually you think, oh, I'm just not going to go today. But you arrange to meet up with a friend, um, you can do it. And then once you've taken that first step, the next one, you know, like the, you know, like anything becomes slightly easier. And you think, actually, do you know something? I can do this. Six months ago, I couldn't run for two miles. Now, I'm doing five or six, you know, it's sort of, it is, it's that sort of, give yourself a pat on the back and just say, actually, do you know, I'm doing quite well. Don't compare yourself to what everybody else is doing. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. It's your own goal, your own challenge. Um, And pat yourself on the back and go, actually, I can do that. All right. I feel proud. I love that idea. And you've done something, I'm going to let you go in a minute because we've been, you know, I know you've you've got a book to promote, by the way. It's called Limitless, everybody. If you want to read it, I've been reading it in bed this morning. It's brilliant. Um, It's coming out very soon. That's an absolute pleasure. And just really briefly, you don't stop challenging yourself. So you went to cycling, which you're really good at. And please, will you join us on our Her Spirit Tours on Zwift, which I know you can, It's we're, we're doing one on Friday. I think Are we're doing, doing them at the end of every month now. Okay, please okay. join us. I will, yeah, yes, Friday. I will do that. Yes. Uh, what time is it? Is it seven o'clock? Six o'clock. Six o'clock. Okay. Um, and she'll, she'll, she'll lap us or she'll certainly lap me, Annie. But anyway, just really briefly, really briefly. Um, you, you know, swimming is not your thing. You are clearly terrified about it, but you've done a triathlon and there are so many people on this who listen to this who are trying to put their first steps into triathlon and it's, it's scary, but you've done it, haven't you? I did. Yes. Now that, you know, that way out there, that, that was so out of my comfort zone. It, it was just unbelievable. I mean, I had to, I had a real fear of water, and uh, which goes back way, way, 
Uh, for, but yeah, it goes back for serious reasons, which are in yeah. your book. And um, anyway, so my first my first swimming lesson was literally blowing bubbles in the water, and uh, you know just doing that because I didn't like putting my face in the water. And so entering this this triathlon, I actually won. It's only a very small triathlon this one, and it was pool based. But I did don't do yourself <laughs> down, Mimi. I'm not having well, it. <laughs> but, I, but I won my age group. I was so I went home, you know, and then I got a phone call saying, Mimi, you won your age group. Oh yes, it'll be the only time, but I do not care. I was so proud of myself. So, so <laughs> but I do need to do <laughs> Mimi, before you go on, I have to tell you, so last year I won my age group. I was the only person in my age group to finish. But it doesn't matter, does it? <laughs> but I'm still taking yes, it. Absolutely. <laughs> no, I would too. Oh, go on. The other bit's irrelevant information, really, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but the point is that swimming is not your thing and you've and you've taken that on and you're swimming now. Yes, aren't you? and so I think the other thing for me, I always try and find a positive in everything that I do. And and I think, yes, America was was an, a really it was just not, it wasn't good. It was, for me, a failure. Usually I can learn from a failure, go back and, and uh, you know, improve it or do something about it. This time I can't. But actually, if I hadn't have had to stop in America, I wouldn't be doing all my bikling. I certainly wouldn't have learned how to do the front crawl. I wouldn't have done a triathlon. You know, I, I wouldn't be going across the Andes. You know, I wouldn't be doing any of this if it wasn't for the fact that I had to stop in America. So, yes, that was a massive negative. But what I'm doing now is, is well, it's just a positive, isn't it? There's no other way of looking at it. It is fantastic. What you're doing now, I think, Annie, um, is, I think we can agree on this, can't we, Annie? What you're doing now is inspiring lots of other people to go out and have adventures, which is just brilliant. Oh, I hope so. I hope so, because they are fab. Apps, even on, you know, local ones. I had one with a friend the other day. We did, you know, it was, it was just under 100 kilometres, so not very far. But it was, the sun was shining. It was absolutely lovely. And it felt like having a mini break. So you come home and you're just feeling uplifted and, you know, oh, lovely. Lovely. I could rattle on. Mimi, you've been a legend. You no, are I'm a legend. Not. You are being a legend. It's been such a pleasure, hasn't it, Annie? Oh, it's just been amazing. But I mean, like all our guests, and particularly with you, Mimi, I, I could I could just sort of, you know, pour myself a glass of wine and sit here for another few hours chatting with you. And it's a bit early, sadly, for wine, isn't it? <laughs> no, 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 no. What does Granny Rose said? What does she say? Oh yeah, we heard in our last podcast. There's the yard arm. What is it? The yard arm. The sun arm over the, the sun is over always... the yard arm. Yeah, the yard arm somewhere <laughs> yes. in the world. Somewhere in the world. <laughs> My husband always says that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Mimi, good luck with the book as well because I really enjoyed it. And thank you so much for joining us. And we'll see you. Please do come and join some of our um, her spirit rides because we have great fun and lots. I chat. will. I will put that in my diary. But thank you so much for having me. It's been just fab. Thank Loved you, it. Mimi. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Annie, gosh, I, I've been w- looking forward to speaking to Mimi um, for so long, Annie, and I hardly dare tell her, um, but I did when we stopped the podcast, um, that I'm allowed to start running. I'm going to whisper it. Oh. I can start running, Annie. You've got to be really, really, oh, really s- steady, slow, low, so, so one step at a time, one step at a time. Like, I, I'm going to do... I'm going to do, um, the, so my surgeon who I saw literally this week said everything's gone perfectly. The ligament's okay. The bone is mended. And he said, start with, start with, um, couch to 5k, which I've never done. And actually I'm really looking forward to doing because that's really steady, isn't it? Steady as you go. 
Yeah, that's what you need. You know, I think anyone coming back from an operation like you've been through, you know, needs to take it steadily because what you don't want to do is kind of two steps forward and, and 10 steps back. But how exciting. And I love this time of year. I don't know about you, but just as we kind of move from sort of like, you know, just grizzly grey winter and, and into the spring, it's the kind of time of year that you want to be running. So I'm really happy for you. Very happy. Oh, you're so sweet. And you've gone and overdone it, you nana. Oh, I know. But, you know, I don't practice what I preach. I do silly things and um, and I'm paying the price. But I loved <laughs> running my 10K with my friend the other day. And even though we went a little bit too fast to what my body wants to run at at the moment, it was fun. And now I just have to rest. But it means that I need to get back out on my bike. And I'm just such a fair weather rider. So since I did my 100 mile on Swift, when was it? Back in December. Um, I, I haven't been on the bike. So I think it's, you know, it's a chance just to give my legs arrest and and yeah and we are going to speak to the co-founder of her spirit because every month we have somebody listening to the podcast who's a her spirit member so she's the co-founder and of course she's part of the community uh, the wonderful holly holly it's lovely to see you and you i know that you are a mimi super fan aren't you I, I, I am. I was so excited when uh, Mel, uh, who's my other co-founder of Her Spirit, said that Mimi was going to be on the on the podcast. So I'm just inspired by um, what women are capable of. And I see that every day in the Her Spirit community. And I think Mimi is just extraordinary in terms of what she's done. You know, she's, she's just like all of us that actually decided that she wanted to do something. And my goodness me, has she done it? And Holly, I think, you know, the, the great thing is the message from Mimi. And, you know, I kind of I'm careful with what I say, because what she has done no other woman has done I mean it is yeah. absolutely ph- phenomenal and and I love the fact that she's so understated but I think the important thing the important message and what you're saying is that listen you know you don't know until you try what you're capable of or what your limits are so you know like like Mimi said which was you know absolutely right look start with two miles or start with 400 meters you know I I start I was just talking obviously with Lou there about coming back from her injury go out and do 10 minutes of one minute jog one minute walk to start with and build it up and you won't know until you try right no and I think what was really interesting uh, I was a bit like Mimi she talked about not being uh, a sort of a leg warmer and leotard kind of uh, girl and I wasn't either Um, and I was inspired to start running by my mum actually because my mum did the London Marathon when she was 52 Um, and I'd done a bit of running but when I saw her do that I was like oh my god I I could do that Um, and I started to find something I really loved so running is probably my first love Um, if you talk to Mel she's a swimmer out and out um, I'm a land girl she's kind of like an amphibian but running is like for me like Mimi it's freedom it's that opportunity just to kind of be with myself and to challenge myself and I think she found the thing that she was she really enjoyed and then she decided to see how far she could go with it and I think that's something that a lot of our Hesperitas kind of um, do they they start maybe with doing one activity and then try three or four and then realize that there's something amazing in there that they never thought they they would do or could do so yeah it was an incredible story and uh, I loved her Death Valley uh, uh, story as well I was uh, inspired by Dean Carnes who's um, I don't think I've said his name right but he's like this epic ultra runner I remember reading his book and he spoke about Death Valley so when she spoke about it today it was so exciting just hearing her story uh, about that epic kind of uh, journey in the US. Um, I love what you said there um, about her spirit is not knowing what they would or could do and that's part of what it's all about isn't it just trying to test yourself a little bit and you know I mean I've started doing all sorts of things because of you on the, all of you guys on the her spirit um community it's absolutely amazing now you've signed up for a marathon then the Loch Ness Marathon uh, does it I have signed up for the Loch Ness Marathon yeah okay tell us about it 
So I've done a couple of marathons um, and uh, it looks like Annie might be doing a lot less as well, which would be awesome. So I... Well, I'm, I'm currently being um, challenged by a, a really good friend of mine who's a sub-editor of uh, Runner's um, World and um, he wants me to come and do it. So maybe I'll be there with, uh, with Holly. But wow. you carry on, Holly. Amazing. So, yeah, so I did my first marathon oh, 10, 15 mm-hmm. years ago. Had no idea. I think I read Runner's World a few times and then just started running. So I did it all the wrong way, not properly coached or anything like that and, uh, and got through it, did a sub four hour. Love the experience um, and only did my last marathon with Mel, my co-founder from Her Spirit. We did the marathon um, de Medoc, which is which the is wine the one marathon we really want for to those do. that don't know. <laughs> Yes, it's amazing. It's honestly, it's the best marathon I've actually done. It was the best event I've ever done, actually. 20, 22 vineyards, most amazing vineyards um, in France. And the wine was, honestly, it was great. So that's my, that's my top kind of event. But Loch Ness is, um, I want to try and run my fastest marathon. So that's the challenge that I've set. Um, not just to complete it. I want to now see how fast I could actually run a marathon in. So Annie, what, what better uh, pacemaker <laughs> I could have than you? What time do you want to run, Holly? I think somewhere between, well, I'd love 3.30 to 3.45. I think 3.45 is more realistic because Mel's laughing. I can see my coach, Mel. Is he laughing in the background behind you? He's going to have to get me. I think it's going to try and get me round. I think the advice I'd give for anyone, whether they're trying to run a sub three hours or a six hour marathon is to gradually build up the miles. And it's about consistency. And you've obviously got some experience already and it's a long way off. And so I would start building the miles now. You know, it's about miles in the legs. Go on, Lou. I'm just so excited because here we are. We're kind of coming up to March and uh, you two have got marathons planned. Um, I'm supposedly... I haven't run one, one, you know, 100 metres since October and I'm doing a marathon, supposedly the London Marathon. Exciting times, guys. We need to all embrace whatever we're doing. And that's on the same day, is isn't it? It's Loch Ness. So London Brilliant. Marathon and Loch Ness. It is. They're, on, they're actually, on, they're actually oh, on the same day. That's great. Um, but Lou, you said about coming back, uh, back to running. Have a look at Give Me Five, um, which is obviously um, the Her Spirit version of uh, Couch to 5K. And that is uh, narrated and coached by the ver- our very own podcast podcast guest oh, Donna it? Fraser okay. Um, okay. OBE all right it that's is. where I'll go so then. Um, many of our community have loved her um, and has said that uh, they have had Donna in her ear and on her shoulder all the way and loved it oh, so thank give you so much and Holly thank you so much for everything you do um, at Her Spirit as well um, you t- I, I had no idea you were running I just thought you were a flipping awesome cyclist as well by the way everybody so and then we got <laughs> I'll see you well I, 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 I basically I don't Annie you haven't joined us on our Zwift yet so basically I just try and chase Holly for as long as I can and it doesn't last ever the whole bike ride well basically if Mimi joined joins us for a tour, tour de her spirit on Friday. I think I might lose my uh, tour de her you spirit might. crown. You might. Uh, She's but, awesome. Uh, I think, and that's, that's all good with me. So no, in all seriousness, um, I've always loved being active, but uh, only actually since I've been properly coached have I started to kind of get, achieve my real potential, yeah. to be honest with you. I've done Michelle Charland, who's our amazing cycle coach, sessions twice a week. Mel Young, who's our amazing strength coach, twice a week for, for nearly 12 months now. And I can't tell you how much stronger, how much fitter, um, and how much more I'm able to achieve. So, um, yeah, I think the message is for everyone to do what you love, push, push your boundaries and you will do more than you ever think you can. Holly, thank you so much. Um, and also everybody else, thank you so much for your comments and reviews. And we enjoy them so much. We're going to mention a few. And Lucy, who posted a review with the title, 
beats any energy gel. Lucy says she's had lots of running and bike sessions where she's felt too knackered, probably down to the perimenopause. But our inspiring guests have pushed her on. And she also says Anna McNuff, the adventurer, remember her, Annie? Yes. Um, turned my 5K into 12. Congratulations. Uh, Reverend Kate Botley got me back in the water. Uh, Joe Rousel pushed my bike miles out of my comfort zone. And Dr Nigat Arif gave me a kick in the pants to get some HRT sorted. Oh, Lucy, that's a great message. Thank you so much. And, and as you say, life is so much better. Oh, that's brilliant. All right, everybody. Thanks for your messages. We'll read some out next week as well. Uh, take care, everyone, and see you soon. Bye. Hi, my name's Mel Berry, and I'm one of the co-founders of Her Spirit. I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. These podcasts would not have been made possible without the support of the brilliant MediChecks. MediChecks offer an easy and affordable way to check your health with their simple and personalised blood tests. From hormones and nutrition to cholesterol and diabetes, there is something for everyone. Just go to MediChecks.com to find out more. Have a great day.